Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Okay, so I had to hit record on part of this conversation because for the first time in our seven plus years of friendship, you just slipped, you buried the lead and you slipped in that you've been looking at tattoos and there's one that you love. And I'm over here with five plus tattoos thinking, let's go get one tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a couple that I love for sure. So what are we thinking here? Well, okay. So the one that I'm like consistently the most attracted to is on like one of the most painful places you could possibly get it. Your ribs? Like your side of your ribs. Uh I love that idea of it being like floral and like intimate and like being a part of your breast and side. Like I don't, I think it feels a little sexy. It feels a little. I love it. Like, um, but also just for you too, like something you can enjoy when you get out of the shower, that kind of thing. (sighs) But I'm just so intimidated by the pain level. And the thing I just told you is that I am intimidated by like liking the idea of having it now, but not liking it as my skin ages. And that's a me thing. I am sure all for y'all doing whatever you want. Full body autonomy from over <laughs> here. So I will say I have this girl keeps popping up on my feed. And I think it's just because... It's the kind of shit I would do. <laughs> she, have you seen these new, they're, they're still temporary tattoos, but they're like full sleeves. Oh. Mm-mm. So, but like not necessarily like full color, full sleeves. Like they're full sleeves enough that like, they're kind of like outlined and lacy on the back so that like it it looks like the end is purposefully there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she decided initially as an experiment, like I'm going to just like wear this and see how it makes me feel. And she's, she's like in love with it. 
And I, I can just completely relate. She's like, I get one of two reactions. Either they completely ignore me and like kind of give me the side eye or they just think I'm a total badass. <laughs> I was like, I could see you really enjoying that. They either like mm-hmm. don't want to talk to me or whatever. <laughs> anyway, she just finds herself feeling like really powerful with it. And I'm, I don't know. I also know I have an addictive behavior and like addictive behavior tendency. Let's put it that way. I have stayed away from the casino for like a very specific reason. (laughs) I don't drink for a reason. Like, and so that's why I've stayed away from tattoos too. It's like, I'm like, I feel like I would be full sleeve. Yeah. But you said you were looking at like cross stitch styles, but of what? I'm pretty attracted to just florals. I've thought of uh, things that I have thought of over time. When I was exclusively designing, I at some point thought I would get... So like when you print anything on a press, there is a CMYK swatch on the side that just is like the full colors. And so I have thought... It's not a very interesting tattoo, but I just, I liked the idea of like CMYK, like boxes, like next to each other. But I wouldn't, I, that I can't figure out like a location. I'm like, where do you just put a grid of boxes? I don't know. I mean, literally wherever you want, just not (laughs) not your neck or your face. (laughs) No, I'm not, not my neck or my face. Only stipulations. I'm looking at cross-stitch tattoos on Pinterest right now. And I'm like, oh my goodness. The there's some really cool floral ones. I there's yeah. I've saved a couple specific artists that I was like, mm, well, if I ever go down that road, yeah, then- I am the person who like literally you could call me tomorrow and be like, okay, do you want to go? Absolutely, yes, I want to go. I will come up with something. I will think of something because I am not in the camp that tattoos have to have a meaning like literally at all. You can just like it because you like it, and I don't believe in like regretting tattoos or like get what you want because you want it and so I just like don't overthink them do you have five now I okay I have one two three four five yeah I have five do you have a favorite oh I I have I have two favorites my floral one on my forearm is my favorite because it's my only color one so it's blue and it's that's really cool but I think my moth is my favorite of like what it is and I because I just think he's so cute he has a little his little fuzzy body (laughs) he's so cute but these cross stitch ones are really cool I want I want another color tattoo so I had a friend of mine who is going to be doing I don't know what it's called but it's the type of like surgery where like it's like body reconstruction on your arms yeah and when you do that on your arms, you get a pretty gnarly scar from elbow to armpit on the inside of your arm. And she's going to do both arms. And so she wants my help designing two half sleeves for her so she can like work around the scar and kind of blend it in and kind of live her next like best phase of her life with having half sleeves. And I'm here for that. I'm like, I do think it's funny of like having tattoos, especially ones that are visible to people of like how it changes either how you feel or how you think that you're being perceived because mine are all above the elbow. Like if I'm wearing a quarter sleeve shirt or even like, well, I have this one, I guess, but it's so small that like 
You probably wouldn't notice normally. You don't even notice it. But if I'm wearing quarter sleeve or long short sleeve, like I am in this video, if you're watching our YouTube, you can see it. You might not know that I have any and I have five. And so I just think it's really cool where sometimes it's like, you don't know that I have these. The only other one I've thought at all about is a wedding ring one. Yeah, I've seen those. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those I'm going to tell you right now hurt the worst and fade the fastest. Yeah, I the fading is a part of it. I also just like get a like bad karma about it. Like, yeah, it right, right. Like, I feel like it's kind of like a jinxing the situation thing. I I hundred percent agree. And but I don't I don't wear a wedding ring full time for a variety of reasons. Not because I don't love my spouse, but I I have. I used to not either until I got my ten year ring. Well. I would wear that ring every day. <laughs> Let's just be clear. Well, spam us. Okay, so first of all, spam us with your tattoo ideas. And I'll start sending them to you just to peer pressure you into getting one. I follow a couple of people on TikTok who the clip will be like, if you want to do simple best friend tattoos, like here's some ideas. And they're all generally really simple, like fine line art designs that I just think are really cool. I think getting tattoos with other people is a really fun experience. And like, even if they're not the same, but just like going, but like my mom and I want to get one that I like kind of coordinate with each other. I've gotten multiple with Amanda that coordinate with her. Brian would, he says he would get them if I like designed them and like made them really cool, but that he can't ever commit to anything because he's in the camp that every tattoo has to mean something. And I'm like, that's just too much pressure. I'm not necessarily in a camp that it has to mean something. I just want to make sure it's something that I'm going to keep liking. Like, I have literally always loved flowers. And it's a big part of, like, plants and flowers. Like, like, that just makes sense to me. Like, it doesn't – it's not a part of my personality I anticipate changing. Right. Well, I will tell you, as someone who – I mean, I got my first tattoo when I turned 18, literally, like, the month I turned 18 – And I picked it out of a catalog at the tattoo place. I had no clue what I was going to get and I got it. And it's probably not something I would pick today, but every time I think about it or remember it, like I remember myself at that time in my life, like with very fond memories. And so like, truly, if you got a Winnie the Pooh tattoo and it's just ridiculous, right? I don't know. I think it just is like very nostalgic and it reminds you of different versions of yourself. And I just think that's really cool. All right. Well, that's my camp. I feel like if I'm going to actually do this, I need to pick something smaller as my first. Yeah, I agree with that. I, every, I do agree with that. Everything I like is huge. Get a small thing. Like your CMYK is perfect. You can get that. You can even get that on the rib area and just have it right here. Like a little under boob situation. Like I think there are options. So we'll keep you guys updated. You should watch our stories because I'm going to, I'm going to work on this now. (laughs) This is my one mission in life (laughs) to work on this. So, okay, let's dive in to our fourth and final part of the epic series. That's absolutely going to change your life and your business and make you so much happier. And you're going to thank us and send me edible arrangements because of how exciting your life and your business is after listening to this series is the four things a service business must get right. And the premise of this series and the overall concept is based on a literal Harvard professor and many articles that I've been reading in the Harvard Business Review that I just didn't feel like applied to us or y'all. And I said, we can do better. 
And so we put this series together and we're super excited to bring you the fourth and final part all about building your team to help you scale. And it's last for a reason. Do you want to tell them why? (laughs) Well, it's last for a reason because you need so much structure in place before I really even suggest you go down this road. But it is such a powerful tool to take you to the next level. And it's really all about how to build the team to help you scale. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. as someone who has operated as just me, as just the two of us, as just the two of us, plus like one or two contractors to, we got at one point, what was it like 20 something, 23 contractors Mm -hmm. plus the Mm -hmm. two of us to like, kind of switching things up and reorganizing to being primarily employees only, you know, we're at nine full-time staff right now. I just did not fully understand what was possible with the right support until probably about six months ago. Yeah, truly, truly. Now we say this needs to be last But we're not saying that if you've already gone down this road that you can't make it better because I will be the first to admit, like there are things even truly y'all that we have learned while doing this series for you that we've want to dive deeper on as we've kind of unpacked some of this stuff. And so it doesn't mean that every piece has to be perfect before you go down this, this route. But I said it to a client the other day where I feel like hiring is one of those areas where the more you know, the more you will be equipped to face all of the different things that happen, both good, bad, and indifferent once you go down this path. So if we're basing this conversation off the model that we've been having so far, we started with service excellence. And Mm -hmm. that is truly the thing that I want you to linger on. So if you haven't listened to part episodes Part, episodes part one, two, or three, I highly encourage you to pause this right now, go back and listen to those. Because in part one, we really lingered on what does service excellence mean and how can you figure out that within your own business and the result that you provide. And the reason why I want you spending that time there is because once you identify the areas in which you're going to excel at and the areas in which you're going to concede to the competition at, that will also help you guide who you hire how you delegate, how you train, the type of people that you look for. So if you remember back in parts one and two, where I was giving the examples of Commerce Bank and how their customers value in-person experiences, friendly customer service, longer business hours, et cetera. So Commerce conceded to the competition their rates. They are not the cheapest. They are not the lowest banking solution. That's the thing that they decided to not excel at so that they could excel at serving in their values. So they have weekend hours, longer hours, beautiful locations, lots of employees that are friendly and are helpful. So the example that they kind of broke down or the way that they explained that a little bit more was that this makes the hiring decision a lot easier. So if you're in an interview room and you're 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 interviewing a potential candidate and they have resting bitch face and they're super smart and overqualified, maybe not that approachable, they're a gr- they could be a great candidate on paper, but they're not going to help exceed commerce's actual value of being friendly. And the reason why they're able to, to hire maybe A-people 
be people like smart wise academically is that their product offerings are small because they don't need to offer a ton. But the thing that they're valuing is friendliness, attitude, personality. And so it's going to help guide your decisions as you're being faced with who should I hire? Because is that, do you feel like that's like the hardest decision sometimes? Who to hire? Yeah. When you're faced with like, this person could be good and this person could be good. I mean, I, we've had some heated debates about who, what candidate to move forward with. And I think one of the books that helped us really lay some foundations on what to look for and how to kind of get started here was the book Hiring for Attitude. And I think one of the mistakes that a lot of small businesses make when they're building their team is they hire primarily for skill. And while Absolutely. There are certain positions inside your company that if you don't have like exceeding expectations around skill set, it could cause major problems. There are so many other positions in your company where skills could be learned or trained on the job. And if they have the right attitude, they are going to thrive. Now, the big differentiation here that I just want to make clear is hiring for attitude is not your window for opportunity for discrimination. And so this is this is not about necessarily hiring for personality because what you're going to end up doing when you do that is you tend to hire the people that are most like yourself, which is not adding value to your business, honestly. Nope. Like you do nope. not need a U2.0. You just nope. really don't. So finding other people... And it's not necessarily about differing views or differing race. It's about specifically the values that you're trying to promote as the most important within your company. How can you look for those first and foremost and make sure the skill is there? I think for us during the hiring process, one of the things that really is helpful is when we do screening, our initial screening is for skill. And if we think the skill is there, then we have a skills test, which is essentially a small test project. And then from that test project, we are kind of saying, okay, well, only these candidates meet our expectations in terms of skill. So now it's all about attitude. So when we get to the interview stage of looking at any potential employee, we are there to figure out if they meet our value system within our company. And that really removes some of the barriers. Yeah. And, you know, our, our, so our values are outlined. We have five core values and, and we definitely do a cross check on those. But the, the thing that I found interesting is that as we, cause we've, we've all made hiring mistakes, both people you should have hired that you didn't, or you shouldn't have hired that you did everything in between training that went awry, whatever, right? It's going to happen no matter how prepared you are. But the lesson that I've learned, one of them, and that a value that's, it is part of our value, but it's especially valuable when we're like deciding if the attitude specifically is right. In our business, pivots and evolution is necessary. And being able to be 
not tied to a perfect version of something, or it has to look this way. And being able to be flexible and quick on your feet is a big priority of ours. And so now almost above all else, like we value things like loyalty, like flexibility, like does this, could this person provide value in a lot of different ways within this company. And so those, it takes time to suss that out both from people, but also from what you need. And I think more than anything, like we, the collective, we have learned hiring strategies from corporations and a lot of those strategies and ways of filtering do not work on our small scale. Yeah, I think they can add like some initial structure, but you're going to have to add additional things that make sense just for you. And the way we go about asking that is actually quite simple. We ask them, you know, without putting too much context in, say most companies tend to grow and evolve a lot over time. Like how do you tend to handle change? And we don't, ask them to, we're not necessarily trying to get them to respond any one way, but how they respond is critically important. If they clam up and shut down and they're like, I really don't like change. Then like, I mean, I'm not, you don't have to like change and you can definitely still work here, but how you respond to it is important. Right. Cause we definitely have people on our team who like would prefer there to be less change. Absolutely. But it's the response, right? So here's a couple of questions you can also ask yourself if you're especially following the system of like hiring for your service excellence, once you identify what that is. So to design a well-integrated employee system, and this could even be part-time, cannot be contractors. Don't get me wrong. We can have a whole conversation about the difference. We actually, I think have an episode about that and probably a blog post. You can ask two questions, right? First, What makes our employees reasonably able to achieve that excellence, the one that you defined? And then what makes our employees reasonably motivated to achieve that excellence? Answering these questions and figuring out is what's going to help you define what your company values are, what your specific policies and programs are. And people, like research literally shows, people who neglect to connect those dots between their actual employee management approach, how they train people, how they delegate, how they communicate, and their customer service preferences. So the way that you've decided to show up in excellence because of the values of your clients will find it hard to honor that service excellence. Yes. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. So I'll give you an example to give you something really tangible to hold on to here. So one of the things we value heavily within our company is being service-minded. And a part of showing up service-minded is we require everyone on our team to do what we call close the loop. And so to effectively close the loop, there shouldn't be any conversation with a audience member, potential customer, current client, that leaves people in the dark. So if someone has stated that they're struggling with XYZ thing, and upon our assessment, we don't necessarily think they're a good fit to move forward with one of our programs, our team is required <laughs> to provide them with additional resources, even if we don't see the potential for them to be a paid customer, period. And the thing that's interesting is it could be like you could you could see the potential problems here with people not doing that thing but the way the reason they tend to be motivated in this area is the customer praise and client praise audience praise that they get for going above and beyond in ways other members of our industry are not doing this or showing up in that way, they are so motivated by the response that the validation they get fuels them to continue doing it again and again and again. 
Because so often they're like, oh my gosh, thank you. Or I didn't even know you had this resource or I can't believe you bothered to take the time to find this for me. Like, like a link to a podcast or a blog <laughs> yeah. or anything. Like, it doesn't have to be revolutionary, no. but it's it makes such a difference in Because like, outcome. do you see the difference in like, yeah, like, sorry, we couldn't help you. One, it could end there. Uh, two, sorry, we couldn't help you. I think we might have a blog post about that. It could end there. But ours is like, I don't think this is the right fit. Here's why. And here's something else that I think is going to help you. The actual link. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you see the difference? And like, can you imagine from a customer perspective of like, if you care for people on this level, when I haven't even given you a dollar, like it just shows the level of what you could get once you are inside. And I think you guys get that even from the value that we bring to this show, right? Of the ramblings and the examples and the strategies and whatever that we provide here. Like this is because we can't shut up about things. <laughs> right. We want to help. We want to be there for you. But I think mm -hmm. the difference here is we're not necessarily requiring anyone to be a hero. And I, I think that's an important differentiation specifically for us, but I would definitely for suggest for you too, unless you're in an industry where it's literally a life or death situation for you to not answer or respond in some way, why are you making things client emergencies and thus having someone on your team, even if it's not you quote unquote, save the day. Yep. Yep. It's so hard. It, not only are you going to create a stressful environment where everyone feels the urge to respond all the time, but you're going to create burnout on your team, whether, even if it's not for you, like if you're putting this requirement on other people. Yep. Yep. When we took our two weeks off, we had many friendly but firm conversations with our team about boundaries that were expected while we were out of office. And it was canned responses and not responding and not replying and communicate that we're going to be gone and then honoring that we're gone by not responding, not replying. And at first it's really hard because like we all are in that culture of instant response and instant gratification, right? I do think that there is a shift happening from both the consumer side and the, the business owner side, the company side. Mm -hmm. There are some companies and that's okay, that value the like the urgency and the like we'll be there no matter what kind of thing. And it works for them. And sometimes they have the systems in place to do that. But I would argue that our businesses and the ones that we're talking to here are never going to be big enough to have the systems to do that. And the emergency that you are applying to those situations aren't the same as what other companies might be dealing with. And I encourage you to really reflect on the urgency that you have put on to yourself or your team that doesn't need to be there. Yes. Because one of our values is lighthearted. Right. Right. And that you to show up lighthearted, you, you got to act a certain way and behave in a certain way. And that doesn't mean your values can't sometimes challenge you. And because there's times yeah. when like, even if you know that is what it is, you want to respond in a different way. Or well, because how contradictory is being service minded and lighthearted? They are contradicting values. Because if we're saying we prioritize service-minded, that means you go above and beyond and you do anything to like please the customer. But that's not our interpretation of it. I believe that you can be service-minded and 
value being lighthearted and value being life first. And we make that be what it needs to be for us. And it could be different for you. But ultimately, I know we keep referencing our values, but those are some of the ways of our excellence, right? Of what we're going to do and what we're not going to do, what we're going to concede and what we're going to prioritize. And once you identify what those things are, that's going to be your guiding light of what you hire for. And the common failing is that you try to be everything for everyone. You try to be the 100% customer service and we're going to be the fastest and we're going to be the cheapest and we're going to provide the most value. And it is literally impossible to do that. And if you go back to episode one, you'll understand the sacrifice that you'll have to make if that's the route that you're going to go down. Yeah. I want you to instead be empowered by what your team can ultimately bring to the table. Because when when just you and you're pursuing something and creating a certain environment, I will say that the things that you tend to excel at and concede at tend to not necessarily be choices. A lot of your business is going to reflect your personal personality mm-hmm. and the kinds of things you value and prioritize naturally. So like when it was Emily and I, The business, so much so, the business reflected so much so of our personality that we became so blended that people stopped knowing the difference between Emily and myself to the point that, like, we had to, like, take a pause and create our own personal social media so we could get back in touch with who we are as individuals. I was literally, here's when I knew it was a problem. I was at a Royals game. Yeah. This was May of 2017. (laughs) It's Mother's Day weekend. And I had a five-month-old strapped to my chest. And I'm walking around. It's a sold-out stadium. I'm holding a beer. And someone's like hollering for me, trying to get my attention. And she comes down this row. And she's like thanking me. She follows. At that time, we were Think Creative Collective. Follow Think Creative Collective. Like your blogs have changed my life. These resources changed my life. Like actually just quit my job because of you, which stresses me out don't do that without talking to me first. (laughs) And I was just like, Oh my God. Okay. And she literally said, I didn't know if you were Emily or Abigail, but I recognized your daughter and I knew you, you had to be one of them. And so I, I wanted to come by. So not only did she not know my name, but she didn't even know which one of us had the kid, but she recognized Penny. (laughs) I was like, Oh, I don't like this. (laughs) This is weird. (laughs) But the thing is, is like, it's not necessarily a bad thing when the business reflects you as an individual, because it's a lot easier to stand up in your own personal priorities, because you can design your boundaries and your scope around what you are personally called to do. But the cool thing is, as you build your team, you get to be so intentional about what it is that we want to move towards and move away from. And you get to lead your team and share with them what you care about most and how we plan to show up and what it looks like to not do those things and give them guidance that allows them to thrive, but also help you build the business because a solid employee, while not every employee is going to be in a sales role, they should in some way create margin for someone on the team to generate more sales. 
and be able to grow the business in some way. And whether that's taking something off someone's plate that gives someone else more time or whatever, but them showing up collectively as a unit in the same values over and over again allows you to have ground to stand on. Because I think the part where you tend to have a bad experience at a place is when you kind of like walk in expecting one thing and then they're showing up the exact opposite. I think probably the best example, and I get it, this is no dog on this industry at all, okay? I know wait staff work harder than any other industry out there, like crazy hard workers. But you know when there's like a vibe at a restaurant and then you walk in and you do have a bad server and they could just be having a bad day but it just like immediately puts a bad taste in your mouth about the whole business. I want your team to show up in the way that represents you in the way you want to be represented. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So we have some thinking questions for you (laughs) and I'll repeat the ones that I mentioned earlier. So you can have a little checks and balance on maybe your next interview. You have one coming up with some potential candidates to hire. So What makes employees reasonably able to produce excellence in your company, in your business? And what makes them reasonably motivated to produce that excellence? So in order to answer those questions, you need to know what your excellence is. So you would have to have done part one. So you have to listen to part one. But you can also start, I think, a great stepping stone for figuring that out is understanding what your values are. And we have an entire training on how to do this inside the incubator. And so truly, if you want help with that and understanding what your values are that are client-facing and internal are really key because not all of ours are external values. A lot are internal. There is a difference. And so figuring out what that is can help shape what your excellence is, which can help guide you on who to hire. So then I'm going to ask yourself, have jobs been designed realistically given the employee selection, training, and motivation challenges? So I can't tell you how many times when we've had conversations about either roles that have, haven't even been shared yet, or it happens a lot when we're in the like reviewing candidacy of like, what is this actual position? What do we actually want this person to do instead of like what we hope that they can do? Or like, this is the position that we said we were hiring for. So we need to put that lens on the personalities that are here. And just because we like this person and could see them doing this other thing, if that's not what we're hiring for right now, then that's not fair to assess it within this scope, right? Okay. And then If you have a team and you're wanting to refine what you've got going on, which is possible, when you'd ask yourself, is there a loss in capacity due to confusion over who is doing what? I will say, I know this sounds like a no brainer thing, but when you are new to managing a team, it's so easy to have multiple people in multiple spots with like overlapping roles. And Eventually, I'm all for hybridization. I I think especially in a small business, it is required that people have different skill sets and show up in different ways in your business. Like, I can't be naive to think that someone could just write copy all day long. Like, in a dream world, maybe. But like, that's just not how we operate. And that's what I mean when I say your business isn't going to be big enough for the advice of like departments and this one person only writes copy. And I don't say that as a dig. Do you want to be a billion dollar business? Like that's not the conversation we're having here. Yeah. 
So if they're not only writing copy, what is it are they realistically doing? Yeah. And then is there any overlap that could cause confusion? Almost always, <laughs> I would say when you have a new role, if this is if this is new to your company, there will be things that are overlapping that you have not created a clear, concise way for someone to either transition something or delegate something, or you may have decided there's something that someone was doing all love that you want them to just do a piece of. And it it's fine for them to do just that piece, but it takes time to get everyone on the same page and be clear. And so take over like who is doing what and get so clear with them. This is even like a sit down conversation with people. Yep, definitely. So the last question I have for you, and this is, I think could be a whole other episode. Has your offer been productized? So you aren't the only one who can fulfill, deliver every piece of it. Again, we are not team get you out of all the parts of your business so you can just sit back and fund it. That's not the kind of businesses that we help over here. If that's your goal, I love that for you. We're not your best bet. But I want to help you productize what you're offering so you can delegate pieces, so you can deliver an amazing result every single time. So parts of it can be systematized and structured. That's the point. Now, if eventually you want to move into a different part of the business, you can plan for that. You can also plan for retirement and and to eventually sell it. But for the most part, we see people who want to be operators and be an active part of their business while it's still running. And so a big part of this though, is how can you create that system inside your business? And one of the things that comes up for me on has your offer been productized so you aren't the only one who can fulfill, deliver it. I also like make sure someone could back you up in every area is what I think is the ultimate. So one of the problems I see happening is like, well, someone might be able to manage the client, but no one else can sell. And that's so much pressure. Yes. Yes. And so like, I want you to be thinking about has your service been productized to the point that you could take a vacation for a month and the business is still left standing. Like mm-hmm. that's the kind of things I want mm-hmm. you thinking about. And not just left standing, but making money. While exactly. Maybe landed a new client. Maybe has moved someone on to a different stage of the project. Like, can you be backed up? And here's my last caveat before we wrap up this series. You can want these things and lay the building blocks for these things to happen. And I'm telling you right now, just because even when you're intentional about it, It's not going to happen overnight. No, it's not going to happen in a month, three months. It might not even happen in a year. And I need us all to release the urgency and and connection to time that we have with these big changes and pivots and life altering results in our business that we're putting in place. Specifically with this part, part four, with the building of the team in general, like this can be a down the road conversation. These are things that we are still figuring out. We know them and we know the steps to get there. And we're still doing little pivots and building blocks and education and training and all of that to make it happen better and more often and bigger. Yes. Have I yelled at you guys enough? (laughs) Probably not. So (laughs) I'm going to guess that 
you guys are interested at this point, if you've made it through four parts, if you're still listening right now, <laughs> you probably enjoy the way we teach the things we talk about. And I feel like this is literally the tip of the iceberg for the kinds of things you would learn inside of our incubator. We've worked with clients who come from a variety of industries in the service world. And we are so interested in what it would look like to continue to work with you. So I definitely encourage you to reach out to us over on Instagram. Let us know how we can help. Let us know what you're currently struggling with. Let us know where you feel like you're missing some guidance and we can definitely connect you to tools. And I also encourage you to go check out bossproject.com slash incubator, submit your application. It takes five to 10 minutes. You're going to give us so much context. That's going to allow us to better help you with what could be next for you. And I just can't wait to hear from you. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache, join the co-op our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.